Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Friday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well on what's... uh, a very spring-like sort of day. I, I heard this last night that the temperatures today are the normal temperatures for mid-April. I mean, global warming, whatever. But it is, it's exceedingly warm for this time of year, a week after being frigid. Now, I drove through some pretty gnarly stuff yesterday. Yep. In the oh, 2 o'clock the, to 4 o'clock hour. There was serious heavy rain that came in the early afternoon. Yeah, I, I, I drove through some pretty pretty gnarly stuff yesterday that, that reminded me of, uh, of hurricane season back home. Uh, and apparently there is, I mean, just looking up at the television right now, Bill, a stormy, soggy weekend ahead uh, for the yeah, south. So. Yeah, I, I think we may, we may not get rain until after the show today. But this evening and through the weekend, there's a pretty good chance of... Uh, more of the wet stuff. All right, so be safe and uh, and, and be Oops. alert uh, for uh, for that, especially if you're traveling to uh, Starkville, because I know there's probably uh, quite a few Auburn fans uh, making uh, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, m- making the trip to uh, Mississippi State tomorrow to watch the Auburn men uh, try to uh, try to stay uh, at the top of the SEC because Auburn is still. I mean, if Auburn wins, if Auburn wins out, they will be SEC regular season conference champions. Because, yeah, because that would mean they would have beaten Alabama and not lost again. So yes, and, and they would have beaten Tennessee in, uh, mm-hmm. in in Knoxville. But but the uh, but yeah, so so I mean, Auburn is still even even with the loss in Tuscaloosa earlier this week. Auburn's still a uh, a team that can uh, can can stay atop the SEC standings with a win uh, this weekend. So it's a it's a big game, quad one game for uh, for, for Auburn. Uh, tomorrow against the Bulldogs, and and a lot of numbers out there. Did you, I'm sure you saw the, uh, uh, the the numbers earlier today about top ten teams on the road against unranked opponents. Do you see those numbers over the last ten years? I mean, ten years ago, top ten teams won close to seventy percent on the road against unranked opponents. Last year, it was sixty uh, percent. This year, thirty seven percent. That is how many upsets there have been by unranked teams at home against ranked opponents. That's what we had the other day. Uh, Alabama, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, uh, they're, they're a win away from moving back uh, in, into the rankings. But that just tells you how difficult it is to go on the road in true road games and win. Well, I mean, how many times this year have we seen situations where a team ranked and even ranked uh, – you know, pretty high is uh, is an underdog on the road against a an unranked opponent. Auburn was an underdog at tip off mm-hmm. against Alabama. Right. The line climbed 
uh, to, to nearly four. Uh, Kentucky, I believe, when Kentucky was in the top five earlier this year, I think they were an underdog in Gainesville uh, to a Florida team that was unranked. Uh, we, we've seen it. I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the line looks like for tomorrow, but Auburn going uh, on the road against a Mississippi State team that, even though they don't have a great conference record, is a is a tough matchup in Starkville and a team that was good enough to beat Tennessee in Starkville. So it's a uh, it's a, it's a dangerous matchup for an Auburn team that uh, has to uh, has to shake off uh, the. Uh, you know, and any any lingering effects of disappointment, right? You know, they got to mm-hmm. shake off anything from uh, for, for, from the game Wednesday night. Yeah, and uh, Dylan Cardwell was great as he always is. Yesterday, talking about that, and I mean, he was he was uh, pretty frank there at the end, saying we just didn't block out at the end. I mean, there was no question. I mean, there were some things early. They gave up too many open threes to Alabama down the stretch. They gave up too many second chances to Alabama. And that's the thing that they have to do. I'm not as concerned about Mississippi State hitting threes, but uh, um, they, they've got to be aware and not allow second chances to the Bulldogs tomorrow afternoon. Bama had a 17-4 to run to close out the first half mm-hmm. on, uh, on, on Wednesday night. And for Auburn, I think weathering that and coming back to tie the game or take the lead yeah. the way Auburn did was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think Auburn probably had to expend, you know, they had to expel so much energy to do that. They had to play so well just to make the game close again uh, that uh, it ultimately uh, it, it left them, you know, they didn't have they didn't they didn't have enough margin for error there at the end of the game. If Auburn had played a little bit better in those final few minutes of the first half, Maybe oh, yeah, maybe yeah, the comeback that, wouldn't have needed to be asked. Like, yeah, seventeen to, me, to four and nine nothing in the last couple of minutes. The, fo- there the focus the has been, half. and I understand why the focus has been so much on things that happened in the last five ten minutes of the game. Uh, but to me, that final five minutes of the first half is ultimately where Bama, like they they built enough of a padding there that they could absorb whatever Auburn took, you know, whatever whatever Auburn threw at them in the second half. Even when Auburn took the lead, even when Auburn. Uh, was able was able to, to to get the lead all the way down to nothing. That was uh, that was a, such a key stretch, and uh, yeah, there was just unreal shooting. I mean, so, some of it was the Auburn defense, but some of it was those guys hitting from uh, from, from, from seriously deep, and that was that was a a glimpse of the Alabama team that the metrics tell you is a top a top five, top ten team well, in college basketball. That's what they've been at home. Too. I mean, they're a team. They they're averaging twelve made threes at home. As it stands now, between Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, and Alabama, there are four teams in the SEC that are projected to be among the top sixteen seeds in the NCAA tournament, according to I think Lenardi and Jerry Palm both have all four of these teams on their the top the top line of the tournament, right? Bill, that would say if you if you're in the yeah, right. one of the top yeah. four seeds in one of the you know one of the top four regions, I don't think anybody would want to see any of those four teams. No, I think you're right. Especially now with Kentucky and the big fella, right? Like with that, I mean now now you have I mean think about how important it is, Bill, when you drop remember when Viscovi debuted right and how it immediately seemed to change things mm-hmm. for Tennessee. Like when you can add a and and usually it's international, although I guess it could come from uh, junior college or or eligibility question ranks. Uh, when you add a veteran point guard or veteran creator to a basketball team with a lot of talent on it, it can unlock things. 
that weren't there before. I wonder if this, uh, again, I'll say it, I wonder if this big fella at, uh, at Kentucky, uh, I wonder if he can sort of, I mean, he's, he's throwing like Vlade Divac passes, right? Like I, I, I do wonder if that unlocks something with a, a Kentucky team. That keep in mind, what, four of the top ten freshmen in college basketball yeah, are, on, yeah. are on that Kentucky team too? Like I, I just think you add you know, a, a veteran creator to a group of, of explosive players like that, and it could be just a, just a nightmare uh, in the wrong matchup. Auburn's going to see them in the next couple of weeks, right? Like we'll get – Yeah, fortunately at home. But we'll, we'll, get, we'll get a – yeah, that, that's going to be – that's going to be a really fun one too. Oh, you're, you're not kidding. So, uh, yeah, if you didn't get a chance to get through or, or it took a day for you to get over that loss, uh, we'd, we'd like to hear about that. Uh, anything that you want to talk about sports-wise? Let's see um, a, uh, a familiar Auburn name moving on. Uh, Trevon Reed, who has been a big, big help to Auburn recruiting the past few years, getting his first opportunity as an on-field coach as he is headed – uh, down to uh, Central Florida. Yeah, not too shocking to see uh, Gus Malzahn, his former college coach, right? Right. Uh, hiring uh, Trevon for his first on-field role. Uh, Reed has been a uh, very highly regarded recruiter. Yeah, and, and he has been able to fill in during staff changes and uh, has has been uh, just has done an outstanding job. He was director of player personnel. For Auburn this past year and now getting an opportunity. You knew that he wanted to be an on-field coach. And uh, uh, now getting that first opportunity with Gus Malzahn. Yeah, and excited for him. It's Oh, absolutely. I saw where uh, both uh, Bruce Pearl and, and Hugh Freeze tweeting out congratulations and, and best wishes. Yeah, people have wanted to see – people have wanted to see him considered for jobs when they've opened up on the Auburn staff and – I can understand why Auburn coaches would think maybe his first on-field role needs to be somewhere else, and if and then if he wants to return to Auburn with more of a track record as an on-field coach, maybe that's the case. But yeah, well, I mean, and right, I, I don't know exactly what went on behind the scenes. No, but but you do look, and and Auburn has uh, very experienced, um, very experienced coaches there in the secondary where he's going to get his first opportunity down at uh, UCF. What's the buzz, and I know you've had a busy day as well, what's the buzz on defensive coordinator? Uh, I, haven't heard, I haven't heard anything new, newer than what we've been hearing all week. That it, uh, I mean, this haven't heard any new names. I mean, it's, it's either Chris Kiffin, DJ Durkin, DJ Durkin, Chris Kiffin. It's what it seems like. Um, again, I, I, I told, I told Doug this earlier today and I heard him talking about it. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, something that, oh, there's a problem because there's not a defensive coordinator by now. Uh, I do think that, um, that, that Hugh Freeze wanted to spend some time with Chris Kiffin when he was, when he was completely available. And I believe that's taken place now. I, I would think that there will be a defensive coordinator, uh, announced here within the next few days, I guess probably both, by the end of the month. I would also toss out there that both of those guys could be looking to see what happens with NFL staffs that are could. being put together. Because yeah. I would think DJ Durkin is someone who has worked with Jim Harbaugh in the past. Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. is now going to build a staff uh, for an NFL right. job in Los Angeles. Uh, and we'll see uh, what jobs open up elsewhere. Could maybe someone on the Houston staff. 
uh, gets a job somewhere else in the NFL and wants to bring Chris Kiffin uh, in a larger role than Chris Kiffin currently has with the Texans. I, I don't know exactly what's going on, but especially with no pressing need uh, to, to hire. I mean, it's not as though Auburn uh, has a – uh, has, has a crucial, I mean, I guess. Yeah, well, the, the, and the spring practice isn't yeah. going to be starting for over a month. We did the math, right? It's, yeah. I think, six weeks. Uh, I mean, they could start. I, I saw someone yesterday saying, oh, Auburn's going to start spring practice before spring break and take that break. I mean, maybe they'll do that, but you still have plenty of time. That would still give Auburn over a month yeah. before they, they would need to have a defense coordinator in name. And I, I could just imagine, again, without without knowing – What's happened? I mean, without knowing how serious Auburn's interest is in either Chris Kiffin or DJ Durkin, and without knowing how seriously DJ Durkin or Chris Kiffin want to work in the NFL, uh, I I could see why those two would both be looking to see what else happens in the NFL before they make a commitment to being a college defensive coordinator. So you know, we'll see what happens over the next couple of days and uh, and weeks. Some staffs are. I mean, I, don't, I think there's only a couple of jobs left that are that are open in the NFL, right? Because the Falcons hired Raheem uh, Morris. There, there are two or three, aren't there? I believe. Uh, do the Seahawks have a coach, Drew? I, I, I don't. I don't think. I Se- don't think so. I don't think Seattle has named a coach. Uh, Antonio Pierce got the Raiders' job. Uh, the Panthers hired somebody from the Buccaneers' staff. I should know his name, but they hired someone from Tampa's staff, uh, and the Chargers hired uh, Jim Harbaugh. So I guess that leaves. Uh, just, I wonder who's who's without a head coach. I mean, I know, I know the Seahawks don't have one, and I think there's another team right now still looking for a uh, still, still looking for a head coach in the NFL. Yeah. So, uh, as far as the answer to that question about defensive coordinator, I I think it will happen soon. I'm not as concerned as some folks. But it hasn't happened yet. Now, if both those if both those guys do take other jobs, uh, and Auburn doesn't have a defensive coordinator by you know the end of next week, then yeah, then you're wondering what's going to happen. Why not just go ahead and name somebody who's on the staff as defensive coordinator? But uh, I, I'm not to that point yet. All right, we'd we'd love to hear from you here on the Friday Drive. It's Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and you can get through here on The Drive by calling our hotline, The Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar. That number is 334-321-1390. The Commanders also without a head coach right now. So two jobs, Seattle and Washington, both looking for NFL head coaches. You can text the show, 334-564-1840, on The Drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform uh, and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron. If you get the show on Google, Make alternate arrangements because Google is getting rid of their uh, their podcasting feature. They're moving a lot of that over to YouTube. So just be aware uh, that, that you might need to figure out another way. There's plenty of ways to get the podcast, though. Uh, check out ESPNAU.com and use the Podcast Center uh, to find out more. And again, Podcast the Drive presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We'll get to our first break of the afternoon. Love for you to join us here on the Friday Drive. Calling all cool cats and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Anything on your mind sports-wise? Interesting that uh, um, stories out there about the the Board of Trustees will be proposed with, uh, will be presented with proposals for North End Zone, the uh, football stadium, Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, including a much, much needed improved video board. I have some people uh, close to me who are very interested in this story, right? Because of where well, I'm sure anybody who sits in the South ends. And you know, you know a couple of people that I know who sit in seats. Well, I mean, are- our seats are in the South, are on the are on the West Side, but near the South End, and the view of the big screen from our seats, which are, well, they ain't cheap. Uh, are obstructed. The bottom of the, all you can see is the very bottom of the video board there in the south end zone. Your family sits in the south end. I have seen now. John Cohen uh, commented, I believe, to AL.com that it just wasn't right to have to see students turning and looking back. Well, it's not just students. It is some. Uh, it is some people that 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 spend you know hard earned money sitting anywhere that's not further north on that field that do not have good views of the video board in the south end. And so much of the game day presentation now is based around that, it is, that on video what board. You can see on the board. Yeah, so so I can uh, I can understand why the university would want to make something that everyone in the stadium can see Yeah, you know who else to... is going to appreciate it? The press, the media. Oh, that's true. We'll actually be able to see what's on the board. Now it'll be a long way down to the other end, but that's better than we've been beside that board, and there's no way we never get a feed of what's. Well, Although, sometimes we do. Well, no, I no, I talked to some people in Riley Hubbard, uh, instrumental there in the press. Yeah, boxes. but they didn't. They don't do it all the time. I mean, it's just occasionally. It's like pregame. Yes. Well, I think they also have TVs with the broadcast on them, right? So it's like sort of 50-50 yeah. between you're going to have jumbotron That's feeds and, and the television That's fine. feed. If you can still tell what the crowd, if if the crowd is going crazy, why? Because you have no idea what's on the board there next to you. You either know it's something on the field or there's some other reason, and you have no idea when, you, so, when you're so there. So what do, the, what the do you box. think? If Bill Cameron, if you'd gotten the job uh, that I campaigned for, uh, you know that that I tried to get for you, if if you if you were in the John Cohen chair right now, like what what's your what what should happen in the in the north end in zone? In the north end zone, uh, some premium seating and uh, and and obviously a new video board. I mean. I, I don't think you need to worry about adding numbers of seats. I think you need to have premium seating. I think um, the the plan. What do you, that you mean? You mean a, a layout like, like a suite, a suite layout, yes. a, a suite suites. Or I, I you know, level, I've heard yeah. talk about uh, the uh, similarities to some things uh, at other schools, including Mississippi State and Arkansas, where where there are areas where fans can uh, can walk around, access certain things, be able to uh, you know walk out and have. Um, it's seating or a railing another, where you can look toward the south end. Do you build something that looks like the press box on the other side? And God, I hope not. For, okay. I hope it doesn't look like the press box. I hope it looks like it ought to be there. Um, no, I, I could see something completely different where it's more open looking. You're saying the press box looks like something a surgeon should chop off? Uh, yeah, don't you think? It, do, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit <laughs> aesthetically at all. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It looks like it was the, like like AI created it. Yeah, like, it's like well, hey, like, we need something. Let's just slap like, that up. Like there. one of those AI images that hasn't totally gotten fingers. Yep. Right. And yeah, okay, I know what you mean. 
but but no, I mean, I, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's interesting. I saw where um, um, where Bruce was asked about that, and he said that. John Cohen's doing what he needs to be doing in the order he needs to be doing. It was asked about the practice facility and said, look, it's uh, it's something not, he's not saying they don't need it, but other things he understands where other things should come first. I mean, everybody yeah, wants, sure, yeah. everybody wants their, you know, their sports taken care of as best as possible. And uh, Auburn will get the, the basketball facility, but football has, you know, the stadium really hasn't had anything um, really done to it. There have been a couple of, you know, touch-ups, not even facelifts, if you will. So I think this is, I think this is good that, uh, that this is finally going to get done. And it, and it seems like a lot of the – I don't, I don't want to be unfair about this. A lot of the upgrades of late – Stadium wide had stadium wise had been recruiting oriented, right? Or so many of them, yeah. About the lounge and things like that, mm-hmm. and so I think that you know the the end zone and some other upgrade like th- those would be more. Not, I mean, look, the video board is clearly not just a recruiting thing. Like that's also game day presentation. Right. But like th- things that things that touch a a broad segment of the fan base, or uh, yeah, I, th- I think that that would be a. Um, it would be it'd be some something to see. It'd be n- nice to see it prioritized. And uh, we've we've been talking about that scoreboard for a while. Right? Golly, like, I mean, for years that yeah. that that little scoreboard up there is ancient. I mean, it it's I there aren't a whole lot of high schools that would be tolerant of that. I mean, not even happy with it. It's like, are you serious? And ma- you know what? And maybe you tell people that beer sales go towards replacing it. And you see, you know, you see how many of, uh, you know, as as though you needed what, an incentive to sell. Well, you're bro- sell beer. I mean, well, I think you're already you're already introducing your. In- I mean, with the that is expected to that is expected to uh, be in place this fall as that's, well. That's right. So you can think maybe maybe, maybe that as though you're al- you're already going to sell a lot of it, right, Bill? But like you say, yes. you say hey, and then that so that's the excuse, honey. I drank an extra one because I need to contribute to the renovation of the stadium. We'll have a new one by uh, by the Oklahoma game. If 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 you if you if you that's right. if you let the proceeds go go to that one, oh man three three four three two one thirteen ninety so yeah uh, we we'd love your thoughts on on anything going on in the world of sports. I want to ask you because I know the numbers are going to be absolutely enormous. What's uh, what, what's going to happen in the NFL this weekend, Bill? We asked we we talked about it with uh, we talked about it with Drew. Um, uh, I, mean, I, I, I let's see. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson is a is a heavyweight title it is, fight. It's very very difficult to pick against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Very very difficult to pick against him. Um, Saw a stat where the I mean, Ni- oh yeah, the ahead. Niners. I think the Niners are the best team in football. Saw a stat that the Niners with uh, Debo Samuel, who I still remember from his time uh, with uh, with South Carolina. When, when Debo Samuel, uh, uh, McCaffrey, and Brock Purdy are all starting, the Niners are what eighteen of their last nineteen, mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, they, they've they've just been nearly unbeatable. Looks like all three of those guys are going to go uh, on, on on Sunday. Detroit's such a great story. They are. Awesome they are, and it's it's great. Uh, they've they've made they've made it to the conference title game, and that's as far as they're going to make it. Yeah, and, and it's you know there's there's not a. Uh, not not a you know it, it's it would be it would be such an amazing story if they could push it further but the Niners just seem like that's 
It's too much of a hill uh, to, uh, to to climb. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be it'll be fun to root for him. But I suspect the Niners ultimately pull away. I have no idea. I'm I'm leaning leaning Baltimore. Uh, like you said, it's tough to. It's, it's tough yeah, to pick that's against, the thing. I mean, tough to pick against Mahomes, but but I, you know Lamar Jackson I'd, has I'd, played. I'd, I'd like to see the Ravens win. I, I, I want a Lamar. I want Lamar Jackson to win a Super yep. Bowl before before it's over. And it might, you know, it just feels like no, no one's been able to play like that for a long stretch in the history of the league. Uh, maybe he can make it work, but it's uh, it's it, it's tough. And uh, and he's uh, uh, he's he's he, he played so well this year. So we'll see what happens. But should be should be excellent football. On Sunday, I'm sure the networks and the NFL thrilled about uh, the uh, the matchups they're going to get on Sunday, and then the uh, and then the Super Bowl a couple weeks later. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the uh, drive hotline presented by Skybar. Let's get to it. And Terry gets us started. Hey Terry. Hey Bill. Hey Dan. How y'all doing? Doing all right, Terry. Good to hear from you. Good to talk to y'all. Uh, I got a question for you. If the, by this time next week, if there's not a new defensive coach named Auburn, could they just? Hire a new coach to put the responsibility on on uh, Kelly? Sure they could. I mean, they've got three guys that have been coordinators. Charles Kelly's been a coordinator. Josh Aldridge has been a coordinator. And so has uh, Crime Dog, McGriff. All three of those guys have been college coordinators, defensive coordinators. So they've they've got people that have the experience, uh, have some the experience of doing it. That's kind of what I think might happen, actually. Now, I don't know. I don't know that. But and I'm certainly not making a prediction. But I just kind of want to – answer that question well you know i i uh the thing doug asked me today and that i heard him talking about it is um i think i think he and some other people feel like oh this uh dj durkin isn't auburn's defensive coordinator because of uh some some concerns about his history at maryland um i don't know that that's not the case but i surely don't know that it is the case uh again I expect I would expect Auburn to uh, do a, a very thorough vetting and make sure there was nothing that was missed. But you know he's had jobs with two SEC schools since then. Was expected to be Alabama's defensive coordinator if Nick Saban hadn't retired. So uh, I just think that um, part of it is Hugh Freeze is, hasn't been in any big hurry. Uh, I believe the hiring of Will Redman was was something that um, was more of a priority right then. Plus, he wanted to be able to – I really think he wanted to spend some time with Chris Kiffin. And remember, it's been less than a week since the Texans were eliminated. So, um, if it does, though, Terry, if it does get into February, then I'm thinking, yeah, maybe going in another direction. And this is all speculation because, I mean, if th- th- there could be somebody other than Chris Kiffin or DJ sure. Durkin who emerges as Auburn's next addition uh, to the staff or the next defensive coordinator. I do wonder if it's DJ Durkin. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Bill, I wonder if vetting, uh, you know, what, what kind of vetting is taking place behind the scenes. The longer it goes, the more you wonder if something in that vetting process has made someone at Auburn. Because just just because someone was cleared at Ole Miss and at Texas A&M doesn't necessarily mean. Doesn't necessarily mean that, but some people that might have a clue have said they don't think that's the problem. No, it doesn't. I mean, and and what one would think that somebody that the head coach and the athletic director and you know other people are willing to stake their reputation on, but right. But anyways, it's uh. But no, we, we'll we'll see. You know what, if anything is uh, uh is is the holdup or if Auburn is uh, is search. Although the only names we've heard connected to the search lately have been mm-hmm. uh, Chris Kiffin and DJ Durkin. 
Yeah, Bill, and what you were saying, could it be that Hugh Freeze also is so focused on recruiting right now he's in any big hurry? Could be, although the main recruiting right now is for 25 and 26. Um, My theory is still, Terry, that both Durkin and Chris Chris Kiffin could be candidates for other NFL jobs as as staffs get get formulated because Jim Harbaugh is going to have to build a staff in Los Angeles now. He's worked with, with Durkin in the past. Chris Kiffin, I believe, has worked with Raheem Morris in the past, who just got the job in Atlanta uh, as as the new uh, the new head coach of the Falcons. And there are uh, two teams without head coaches right now: Seattle and Washington. Uh, so I you know I, I think that part part of the holdup might be both of those guys because because uh, Durkin worked brief, briefly with the Falcons after Maryland. So there 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 could be NFL teams interested in either of those coaches as well. And the other thing yeah, is, uh, yeah, you too, Terry. Appreciate the call. I mean, the the other thing is, it's uh, uh, it's been a few years since Chris Kiffin's been in college, and you just wonder that that's the thing. I don't know how many how many coaches are ready to move to the college game from the pros with all that is expected and demanded of college coaches now, like, like Don Dunn has, has said, and, and we've heard other people say, Hey, pro coaches get a vacation. They get a break for college coaches. That's not the case. That's an exciting organization. Kiffin is with right now too, which you haven't really said in the 20 year history of the Houston Texans. But I mean, they had a, they had a great season. Uh, they won a playoff game. Uh, they have, one of the top quarterbacks under the age of 25 in the NFL in C.J. Stroud after the season he just had. And, uh, so, you know, Will Anderson. I mean, Chris Kiffin does coach Will Anderson, right? They're, they're at, uh, at, at, mm-hmm. uh, at, at, in, in Houston with, with the trade they just made with D'Amico Ryans on, you know, at, at the draft. So uh, I think uh, he's, he's also got a pretty good situation right now uh, that he would have to think about walking away from to, uh, to, to be an addition to Auburn staff. Yeah, it's been uh, 2017 was the last time that Chris Kiffin was was in college. So, I mean, we, we will we will see. I mean, they're definite. I mean, you know that there's a very good relationship, a long relationship with Hugh Freeze and Chris Kiffin. Uh, and Chris Kiffin was uh, was a an outstanding recruiter. But again, six years, the last six years, a lot of things have changed. In, in college football. DJ Durkin has been a college coach. His only, only year he wasn't was the year after Maryland. He was a consultant with the Falcons, but the rest of his career has been as a college coach. Um, so, I mean, if, if those are the, are the two candidates, I mean, you see, you see, you know, strengths for both of them uh, here on the, on the college game. And, and then you, you know, you just wonder if, as Dan said, if there are some uh, other opportunities they're looking at. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Just a quarter of the way in. Love for you to join in here on the Friday Drive. 6 7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the studio, Drew at the controls, and very pleased to be joined by Hall of Famer. Coach Sonny Smith here on the Friday Drive. Sonny, how you doing today? I'm great. 
How are you guys? Hope everybody's good. Doing pretty well. I mean, just uh, trying to, you know, go from, uh, uh, you know, ice world last week to feeling like springtime today after the <laughs> after the rain we had. But uh, yeah. and 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 everybody's trying to get over um, that uh, that tough loss on Wednesday night. Yeah, that's going to happen to us. But we're also going to beat people that uh, maybe on nights that we shouldn't. And it's all going to come down a lot. Of, and in the situation with the, how good the teams are in this, this league, a lot of it's going to come down to foul trouble or injury to a star or that type of thing. Because this, uh, you, you you go through the league and try to analyze. You don't. We don't have a bad team. We just got a league full of good teams. And so you're going to have to be heavily prepared every time you go out there. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Uh, we were we were talking about it a little while ago. Somebody came up with the numbers that uh, it's getting tougher and tougher. Uh, I don't I don't know the reason maybe for the parity, but but top ten teams on the road are winning at a lower rate than we have seen perhaps ever. Under forty percent top ten teams going on the road against unranked teams are winning at less than forty percent. That tells you how tough it is to go on the road against quality yeah. competition. A lot, of, a lot of things that's got to do with transferring. So many people are transferring you know, the, the uh, NIL or whatever you want to go by. It, you, nobody can count on having the same team again next year. So all of a sudden, you're preparing in a league that's great, and you're preparing with a couple of new players all the time because of the way th- people uh, are transferring and the play and. The, and the things that they do. So uh, it's uh, th- th- this league's up for grabs. It, it's hard to pick who's the best team this early in the league. Somebody said to me, he said, well, we lost the game. I said, we, we've been in some other games that we could have lost, but we're also going to win as many as we lose from a standpoint of who won and who lost late in the game. Coach, what impresses you about Nate Oates and uh, the job he's doing uh, at Alabama and what he's been able to build so far since uh, since arriving in Tuscaloosa? Recruiting. I think recruiting his style of players. Lean, long, run like a deer and real play defense. And if you think about it, you you don't find anybody that, that probably wasn't there to start with that, that, that he doesn't recruit that kind of guy. But now, that, uh, what I tell you, what makes you good and also can make you bad, if you've got a great point guard, if you've got a point guard that can keep your team in the offenses and can score when they change up and don't guard you, as you can't do that to Sears, for instance, uh, then you you're you're getting a lot out of your team in a league where you better get somebody get them out there every night. This is a really good league. You know, you look at the ball game the other night, Sonny, and, I mean, uh, it, it was a, a rough first half. Uh, Auburn gave them too many open looks there early on. Turned the ball over a little more than, than we're used to seeing, and, and some of them just were uh, – they, they weren't all forced turnovers, and so you're down 14 at half. We've seen teams um, that, are, that are pretty darn good teams in this league, including Alabama – Go up to Knoxville and, and and lose by twenty plus. Kentucky, uh, you know, gets gets it really handed to them at South Carolina. It looked like, uh oh, this could be happening there. But I thought it was a a really positive sign, the way Auburn was able to come back 
and have that and have an opportunity to to win the ball game after being down 14 at the half. No question about that. You know the thing the thing is so big in this league is uh, if you got three point shooters, you got to have three point shooters for comeback ability. And the teams that teams that are, that are getting beat uh, generally can't make, can't make three point shots late. And uh, that's happened to us where teams are making three point shots late. And I, I, it's it's turned into who can shoot the ball from a perimeter to, to take the pressure off the inside people who's going to be winning in this league. I look at it every night. I say, can they take us out of the three point line? Uh, and and a lot of teams that are able to do that play us a little bit better. Talking with the one and only Sonny Smith on the Friday edition of The Drive as uh, Auburn uh, gets ready for the uh, trip to Starkville tomorrow. And, and Auburn basketball has become something, and, and we'll, see, we'll see what it looks like tomorrow. Uh, but Auburn goes on the road, and there are quite a few Auburn fans, and there's also uh, there's energy on the opposing team's campus. This is a game that other teams really want to win. This is a game that, that teams realize can, uh, can, uh, can move the needle and, and impact their – uh, their, their tournament resume, and I would expect Auburn to get Mississippi State's best shot tomorrow night, Coach. It's coming down to this. Who can win on the road late in the year? Now you talk about, you never say, well, if you think in your own mind, where can we go and win a game? Winning on the road is, is extremely tough. And it's going to come down to who can go on the road and pull off a couple of big upsets because we have we have so much balance in this league, so much power in this league, and uh, you say, well, who shoots the three-point shot? Well, sometimes teams that don't shoot the three-point shot. I saw LSU win a game this year without making anything hardly from the outside. So it's uh, it, it's down it's down to depth. Who's got great depth? And I think that's one of the strongest points that we have at Auburn is our depth. And, I, and the reason for say that you can overcome injury and you can overcome foul trouble, and you can't do it if if you don't have those factors right there. Oh, you're you're absolutely right about that, uh, Coach. I mean, the one one of the other things that we talk with Dylan Cardwell every Thursday here on the drive, and and he was quite uh, you know quite blunt about it. He said, "Look, we didn't block out late." And you looked at Alabama, a team not known for its rebounding, out-rebounds Auburn. They got 16 offensive rebounds and I believe 21 or 22 second-chance points. That's yeah. that's something that uh, I know you were a little concerned about back in the preseason. Yeah. Auburn has done a better job, but they have to get back to doing that. Um, they, can't allow, they can't allow teams to have those kind of second opportunities. No, you think about this. Not many teams in the league, except the teams near the bottom, will get into a serious blockout type of scheme. They're running rebounders, you know. And the reason I don't know the reason for that is I think it's because there's more three-point shots taken than they are two. And I think they, I think they, uh, they just turn and go get the ball because it's going to bounce long. And that's that's a theory that I have, and it may not be right, but uh, we I don't think. If you could pick out a team who blocks out better than anybody, I'd be I'd be hard I'd be hard uh, to, to put, find out who that would be. Well, a guy that uh, 
uh, that, that Auburn has to be concerned with when you're talking about inside guys. Tolu Smith, a guy there at Mississippi State. Uh, they're generally a, a physical team, and uh, that, that's, again, it's going to be a, a different style than we saw from Alabama the other night. I think we'll adjust to physicality uh, as well as anybody in the country, and there's a reason I say that. If you think about this, we are a pretty deep team. We, we can play 10 guys, and we can win effectively, I think, with 10 guys. And I don't think if you go around and look at everybody else's lineup that not, not a lot of teams can say that. Oh, no. They can say, well, my, fir- my first five is better than your first five. But there ain't many teams in the league any better than our top ten. And, I, don't, I don't know that there are many teams, period, that can say, yeah, our, our second yeah. five could match whichever five you want to put out there. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. So the thing the thing you, you got to fight through is foul trouble, injury, or somebody is having a totally off night. You know, we uh, brooms brooms got to be a factor every night to keep people from taking away our outside threat, get in there, make them have to guard him, and he's been taking care of his business. If we start knocking down shots a little bit better on the perimeter, let's say let's say Jalen Williams plays just a little bit better. I think we would be we 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 could look at it being a much better team. Yeah, we we got a, a Godzilla fight on our hands tomorrow night between uh, between Janai and and Tolu. Like th- those are two of the top posts in the conference, and I would imagine they're going to be matched up on each other quite a bit. And uh, and and yeah, it's not going to be for the not going to be for the faint of heart under the basket no. tomorrow night with those and, two coaches. You know what? You think about this foul trouble is going to be the factor down towards the end. You throw Auburn's. You don't say Auburn's uh, first five. You say Auburn's first nine or ten. If they can stay out of foul trouble, stay out of injuries, they're going to be in every game. And I think that's going. we have to look at the other teams in the league and say the same thing. Can they stay out of foul trouble? Can can, uh, uh, their top players, can they play through nine or ten? We are one team. I get get to looking at it and think about it from the standpoint you all covered it every night. Who is good? through 10 you got teams that are really good through seven uh and i think down towards the end i think the teams that are that deep like we are if if we get to making shots and stay out of foul trouble i think we're going to be tough to beat down the end because we're we're a deeper team than most teams great stuff as always uh sonny we really appreciate you spending a little time with us uh you, you uh uh you're going to be back for the vandy game uh, is it at home? Yes. <laughs> if it's at home, I'll be back. Well, look, looking forward. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't travel. I don't travel well anymore. Oh, I understand. I, I understand that, and we we know we just had some folks asking. I wanted to uh, to just double check, but uh, yeah, after this two game road trip, back at home next week uh, against the Commodores. Yeah, I would love to go on a team. This is a team that you want to be around. Oh yeah, a team that you want to do a game with, but. Uh, I have situations involving me not leaving the road, but staying off the road. But I, I, I I'm there. I'm there in, in thoughts for sure. Coach, right. Coach, it's it's an it's a Wednesday night game at home, but it's an 8 p.m. tip. So so rest, Golly, rest up like for late re, rest up games. for that one. I'm going to be rested. Always good to be with you guys. By the way, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Sonny. Have have a great weekend. All right, bud. Thank you. Bye bye. Oh, you know what? I just realized, though, I don't have to get up and go to work no, on Thursday. No, you don't. No, you don't. Next Wednesday is my last day on campus. 
I'm his last last day is with a with a job. So I'm still coming in this weekend helping you loot the place, right? Yeah, that's right. right. Drew, it's going to be emptied out. Drew, get the truck. Yeah, that's right. All right, we will get to our final break. Bill told me. Bill told me where the really good copper wiring is. So we're we're getting. (laughs) Oh, there is some. All right, we'll be back. Come on in and join us here on the Friday Drive. Conservative Justice. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in. Hour number two here on the Friday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Yep, the regular crew here for hour number two, which is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. You can join us. We'd love for you to. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, 334-321-1390. That's the Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar. Going to be a little quieter, uh, you know, around the uh, around, you know, with, with Auburn. I mean, all the students are in town, but you don't right. have, but you don't have a basketball not, game. Yeah. Uh, you you don't have uh, the the energy of yeah. You uh, don't have of, men's or women's basketball. I mean, we're a couple of weeks away from the start of baseball. Three, I guess, three weeks from today from the start of baseball. Football spring practice spring still practice over a month still away. A ways away. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a much more normal uh, uh, normal spring uh, semester weekend uh, here. You don't you don't you also don't have the excitement of uh, the oh the students just got back or it's the first weekend before classes or after classes. Things have settled in a little bit uh, in the uh, in, in the semester yeah. and uh, and yeah, it should be uh, should should be a little quiet. I still expect uh, I still expect some noise though with all the students back in town. Uh, this weekend, uh, uh, even though Auburn's on the road uh, in Starkville against there's just, yeah, there's not as much um, local stuff going on, local sports that is going on. You got the got the uh, uh, conference championships in the NFL. Yeah, I, I'm sure folks will be having get-togethers for uh, both of, both of those games. Chiefs Ravens a massive. Have you seen by the way? And again, uh, warning that we're going to talk a little bit of TV viewership numbers because that's something that I seem to be more interested in. Than, uh, than than other people when it comes up, but the Chiefs Ravens or no Chiefs Bills game did ridiculous. It was something ridiculous in the something numbers. in the fifty million, uh, so, something in the fifty you know fifty million. Uh, okay, the uh, and, and now you have to. There are caveats that now streaming is included, and, and Nielsen didn't rate streaming and stuff like that. Uh, but it was the highest. Let's see if I can get you. CBS Sports' presentation of Chiefs Bills, most watched NFL divisional playoff game ever. Yeah. First one to ever. 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 First one to ever break 50 million viewers, averaging 50.4 million, up 10% versus the Cowboys 49ers game that was in the window this time last year. Hmm. You think about, you know how good. To, to improve on a Cowboys 49ers playoff game. Now, granted, that game was a bit of a blowout, right, Drew? In the in the Niners, uh, was was Cowboys Niners a good game last year? Was that uh, I, I forget, but either way, uh, the uh, most watched program on any network since the Super Bowl. 
So, you know, the, the most watched thing on television since uh, the Super Bowl back in February, uh, 56.25 million viewers was the peak. It was the most streamed event in the history of Paramount Plus, and it was uh, the, the most, uh, let's see here, Re- record-setting divisional playoff game follows the most watched regular season since the NFL returned to CBS in 1998. Other records broken for Bucks lions and, uh, you know, with, with the game being on Peacock, uh, stuff like that. But, but yeah, just a, just a massive TV viewership has been off the charts for these NFL playoff games. And I think with, with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, 2 p.m. on Sunday, I don't think that's going to change. Like, that game is no, going to be... No, no, you're, you're right about that. Yeah. that. That will be huge. Do want to mention, uh, when we're talking about things going on locally, you've got Auburn Opelika basketball coming up tonight. And, uh, yeah... Uh, Jumping Jack was just in the uh, in the building thank loading you. up the equipment. Thank you for the heads up, Jack. And uh, they, the uh, girls at 5.30, the guys at 7 o'clock tonight over on W. Lee. That's right, 96.3 W. Lee, where you can catch uh, Auburn High School action, yeah, with, boys with the, and with girls. With the area championship on the line for both. Very cool. Uh, t- tomorrow uh, we will have Auburn uh, University against Mississippi State on Wings 94.3. That, yep. that game is that's is is that that's a two thirty game, isn't it? Two thirty. Yep. So that means two o'clock with the uh, pregame. Yeah, look, looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing how Auburn bounces back from their first conference loss of the season, and that's a long time. I mean, I know that these guys these guys do not stay in flop houses on the road. They they do not. Uh, uh, you know they they, they don't. Uh, uh, you know, you know what I mean. Like I, I know, I know these teams. It's not, it's not even too. Yeah, today was the first day of uh, of the spring workouts. And as a matter of fact, I just was uh, getting Drew to see if he could find the Butch Thompson audio that we could run about that. So I, th- I think we will do that. Um, we'll we'll do that here shortly. We'll let you hear Butch Thompson oh, on cool. the start of spring ball. Oh, very cool. Yeah, looking looking for it. And we yeah, are so, working I mean, on... I don't know if it's great minds, but it's pretty funny that I, that I started uh, seeing if we had some baseball did, and you mentioned it. Didn't think about it. I thought about how we were talking about the stuff going on locally. We yeah. have Auburn High School tonight. There oh, are... that is cool. I want to see. I have not been in and seen, uh, you know, Jason was describing um, the, the way things are there in the new um, Hall of Fame club. And uh, lo- just looking forward to seeing seeing everything. I also want to see how things look from my from my seats now. If there's you know how how much different the uh, the view and everything's going to look from there. But uh, yeah, um, Auburn sending out reminders today uh, about the possibility that uh, that you you might still be able to get a few tickets. There's some single game tickets available. They've got uh, eight game mini packages for just uh, eighty dollars, and uh, the flex plan, and then. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just can't wait to see, I drove by there a couple of times, but you can't really tell just driving by. So I, I can't wait to get over there and check it out as a matter of fact myself. So yeah, we'll let you hear Butch here in just a few minutes. I just saw, I uh, just saw an update on Instagram from, uh, from Adam Cole from the Auburn, uh, from the Opelag Auburn news. And he, uh, B- Bill would appear to be. Yeah, he's uh, there. He would be there in his uh, in his seat. They're they're over in the in the press box behind home plate. So some folks uh, they're checking out some some Auburn baseball already. Yeah, uh, weather cooperating for the moment. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a balmy day. You know that's the way it always seems to be. It warms up when they start practice, and then the uh, that 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 Arctic 
last Arctic blast generally comes in right as the season Le- gets started. No rain. Three weeks from today, opening Le- day. No rain in the forecast Sunday. So oh, that's uh, good. There, there's a scheduled scrimmage Sunday, and uh, maybe they'll be able to play uh, quite a bit of baseball there. Yeah, so we'll let you hear some of uh, Butch Thompson here shortly. Uh, again, a couple of things to talk about. Let's see. Um, no, no news on the defensive coordinator front, but we haven't heard anything that would uh, have us looking in a different direction than we've already been looking. Uh, his news on from uh, from college football regarding uh, Auburn, and that is that Trevon Reed, who has uh, been with Auburn and, and really been extremely helpful recruiting and uh, has been the director of player personnel, getting his first on-field coaching opportunity with Gus Malzahn at Central Florida. He's going to be the cornerbacks coach for UCF. Yeah, re- really exciting development there for a guy who's very popular around town and uh, and and admired within uh, multiple coaching staffs uh, here here at Auburn over the last couple of seasons. And and yeah, had, had a uh, had a had a great playing career as well. So all the best, uh, all, all the best, Coach Reed. And the other thing that we were talking about, and and we'd love to get some uh, some comments from from our listeners on this that the uh, Board of Trustees uh, will be meeting next week, next Friday, I believe, and expected to approve a new video board for the North End Zone. That's part of the um, upgrades that are planned for the the North End Zone. Uh, I know there's some people that will roll their eyes and go, wow, big deal, we've got another screen. But if you're not sitting somewhere where that, that big screen is available to you, you're at a huge disadvantage. And Auburn has needed something on the other end. I like it the way, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if Auburn can eventually do what uh, multiple stadiums have where you see good-sized boards in the corners and then large ones on the ends, whatever, but just something beside just having that uh, the, the giant screen in the south end zone will help tremendously. So uh, that's something that's expected to be approved next week when the Board of Trustees meet. Still no uh, big new, you know, news on the defensive coordinator front no for for auburn i'm still waiting to you know there's still rumors around both uh dj durkin and chris kiffin that they might be the top candidates wouldn't i mean i wouldn't be surprised i i keep checking occasionally because i'm not going to be surprised if it happens anytime uh but again i've i've said it's not um, it, it's not like, oh, there's a timeline. You've got to get it done by today. Or it, I thought it would be done by now. I really did. But I'm not concerned that it isn't. I still think it could happen at any time here over the next few days. I'd it, be surprised if it goes much into February. It, that, that, w- that would probably be the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, it feels like right now Auburn has some time to make their decision. It would be devastating if one of these – I mean, Michigan looks like they're promoting from within uh, right. with, uh, with 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 uh, Sharon Moore. Um, if if one of these NFL, I mean, first of all, if Michigan had decided to go poach a sitting college head coach from somewhere else, like how devastating it could be potentially for that program, right? Because they would stand to lose a lot of their players without any real, mm-hmm. you know, with at least in the short term, they wouldn't have any real options to uh, to to replace them with with uh, like. With, with similar talented players. If one of these NFL jobs goes to a coach who is currently coaching college football, that would also be a, a lightning strike out of nowhere for one of these programs, right? If, if, you know, we were 
tossing names out there, but if a if a Lincoln Riley or a Lane Kiffin or a J- Josh Heupel or something were were plucked from college football, and they, I mean, the timing is strange to where it would be, you know, it'd be unusual now. I, I, my suspicion would be, with, well, my guess would be with both Washington and Seattle that part of the reason those jobs are still open is because they like someone who's still coaching now. Like if you if you're a, if you're an assistant on one of the four teams mm-hmm. still playing, you're probably not doing interviews during the week to to become someone else's coach. You might be more focused on yeah, but I mean it's not quite the same as college where you got to have the guy right now because you've got you've got everybody's in the portal and ready to sign with your team or or things like I've always, that. I've always wondered. I mean, there is a lot of work to be done, but I have always wondered what the hurry is with NFL teams. Right. Me too. And why and why that can't wait until until after the Super Bowl is over. I do I know there's a lot of evaluation. The draft is rapidly approaching free agencies on its way and, and stuff like that. But no, that that is something I've I've also wondered about before um in uh in in, in the past. But yeah, I would think that with and it also seems to put coaches who are on playoff staffs at a disadvantage, right? Like all these teams have filled their jobs before guys from the Lions or the 49ers or the Chiefs or like I mean they they haven't really had an, a, a chance to to you know anyways. Uh, but it, but I, I would think that maybe some some of this, you know, some of this dust is going to settle once these teams stop playing because maybe that's part of the reason these jobs are still open. All right, and uh, the other day you were you were talking about um, when uh, when we were looking at head coaches and assistant coaches that South Alabama had made a change because uh, their head coach has is now the defensive coordinator um, for Kayla DeBoer at Alabama. Did you see the news today? Missouri announcing. South Alabama defensive coordinator Corey Batoon is their new defensive coordinator. How about that? And so South Alabama with so so quite a bit of so turnover. They lost their head coach and defensive coordinator to be SEC defensive coordinator. And their offensive coordinator has been promoted to the new head coaching role. Right. Major, Major Applewhite. Major Applewhite, who had been the offensive coordinator for two or three seasons for Kane Womack uh, there at South Alabama, promoted to head coach. But that uh, Kane Womack moves. It's a uh, it, it's it's interesting to think not only does it represent financially an upgrade for Kane Womack to go from being a group of five head coach to being a, a top tier. I mean, whatever you view of the, the superpowers in college football, sure. he's the defensive coordinator for one of them. You would think it, does it also strengthen if he has a good season or two at Alabama, does it strengthen the kind of job you think he can get as a as a head coach when he wants to be a head coach again you know yes i think it does yeah. i think it absolutely does he's proven he's a he's a he's a good head coach at the group of 5 level and uh, i think he will prove he's a good defensive coordinator here at the southeastern conference and that i think will speed up the process of being a head, being uh, being a head coach at a larger larger school it's crazy to think that napier would have been better off going and being a coordinator a, an offensive coordinator at a superpower than than taking the job at florida in, in hindsight but it's uh no i mean you do well you do. I, I, I would say you you jump at the opportunity to be a head coach in the southeastern conference especially Espe- at florida especially if you're, if at you're florida. like a, yeah i mean yeah. a group uh, of five coach doesn't billy napier may end up having to be a coordinator if florida doesn't improve things a whole lot this year or or he may he may go by himself an island uh, right, and true. spend spend the rest of his time there because you're right it's uh there, there's a there's a lot of pressure on him. he he probably enters with one of the if not the 
hotter seat in in college Gotta be football in the, in the SEC for sure. With uh, yeah, one and like you said, give Kalen DeBoer a loss or two and mm-hmm. see, see. Oh, that that one that one can warm up very quickly. See, see where he ends up on that list. All right, we'll get to our first break. We're gonna let you hear some uh, Butch Thompson. Uh, we're three weeks away from the start of Auburn baseball. We'll play some of the uh, his time with the media earlier today when we come back here on the Friday Drive. This is Zach Alsobrook with Alsobrook Law Group. Master of our tenure here since we've been at Auburn, and they just handled themselves great. 20, 20 21 new players, and they've absolutely seemed to acclimate and, and seem to be getting along well. So feels like a, we have a good ethos and – um, you know, we got a new pitching coach in Everett Tiford that's joining us, which I'm super excited about. And you saw the addition recently of a sports science position, Adam um, um, Niebaum, uh, Niebel, Niebel. And he told me it was like knee bowl. So uh, Adam Niebel joins us. He's a PhD candidate in kinesiology. Just that's what Everett's really done for us. Uh, it's helped us create some of this new technology with the Kinetrax that we put in the stadium last spring to get that up and running. And we also have the addition of 21 students that maybe you wouldn't know about from engineering department. We're putting them in different silos to, to help us with uh, pitch design, uh, maybe pitch efficiencies versus an opponent, shifting all these different things of baseball. To have 21 of our regular Auburn students to be part of our team this year is the first time and something I'm excited about. But, um, you know, we think we have some roles to find with our team, either pitching, hitting, defense. Um, but it'll be neat since we hadn't been on this field in a few months to, to get back out there and, and, and really crystallize, you know, how we're going to start this season and, and who's going to play where. Butch, I thought I saw the number was like something like 80% of your innings from last year are back. And, you know, I'm sure that's a great thing to have. But just what are kind of the things that you're really looking for out of this pitching staff as as you guys start to get, you know, really ramped up for the year? Yeah, just the experience. I I think the elephant in the room, and we we haven't talked much about it, was just Joseph Gonzalez being restored. This first day of practice, him and also, you know, you think they have a chance to be two of these anchors for this pitching staff. Seeing them today is, is huge. And, just continuing to see Joseph get stronger. We we held him to the fall, but he's been throwing for quite a while. So he's probably ahead or more advanced than some of our pitchers with arm shape, even though he's coming off the injury and off of last year. So seeing him continue to ramp up, see also seems like he's in that third year, that growth of where you see somebody really take off. You want that to happen for him. When you say 80% of your innings back, we didn't have that last year. And, and, and you know when you have 80% of the innings back, at least you just you have enough guys that know what's going on and they have enough awareness and they've been through enough fires. So there's some strength to that. Um, but it's also the addition, you know, of a couple of people. You know, Cam Tilly comes to mind as a freshman that we think we have high hopes for and has a chance to pitch now. Dylan Watts is a junior college guy. Um, you know, we think there's some new pieces. Carson Myers comes from UAB after starting for two years in college baseball that could do some great things in others. And then, you know, back to that 80%, you know, even a Christian Herberholtz, a, a guy that had a chance to go out and, and play and start his professional career to come back for another year and be one of those older guys in the room. You know, you feel like you have the, the makings of a, a, a really good, you know, rotation, a very good college rotation. And then some of these pieces I talked about and a, a Will Cannon and, you know, it doesn't take long to you start figuring out that there's some there's some depth and pieces there. So I'm excited about it. But 
at the same time, you know, can these guys take a step? Tanner Bauman following that category guy was a first-year player, him and Cannon, in this second year. Now that they've been through it a year, do they have a lower resting heart rate? Can they pick up one or two skills? And instead of going through a year learning all these things, they have that under their belt. And can they apply that early and, and lead us this season? Which is a pitching guy, how much does it change maybe your – your mindset or, or your heart rate going into a season when you have so many guys that you look down and go, yeah, that guy's been in this, that fire before to, uh, from a pitching standpoint. Yeah, cautiously, right, because we've been in every position before and guys have always stepped up and exceeded expectations. Or Your, your tougher years is when you just don't have enough experience through a couple of injuries. So I, I think every pitching coach, regardless of what level you're at, you know, is kind of always cautiously optimistic, and that's where we find ourselves because – the ramp up's important, but there is a lot of trust. There's just a lot of good words being spread in the room and a lot of experience with that. Uh, Tanner Bauman, who um, is just one of our most trustworthy players in our program, sitting there anchoring and leading the bullpen to get them to keep paying attention and, and things like that. And all that stuff is, is powerful and meaningful and the stuff you can't really see in, a, see in a stat sheet, so to speak. So I think those intangibles are there for us. Talk about 80% of your innings coming back. Uh, how hard is it to find your freshmen and find a, a spot for them in that situation? Do you find a, a role they can do, or do you look for certain moments where that player can be successful? Yeah, you don't want to force the game. Um, you know, that never works. And, you know, we're, we're trying to be committed to every pitch that crosses that plate to put our best foot forward. So, you know, that's what the fall is huge for to development and see. Uh, I mentioned Cam Tilly and Dylan Watts as first-year players to where I think they've absolutely have enough skill to help us to make the best version of our pitching staff. So you would think that they would get some opportunities. The Carson Myers can do something in the middle with all that experience he has, but maybe in an SEC pitching staff, you know, he might eventually wind up being a starter for us. Who knows? But right now you feel like he's the guy that come in the middle and enroll you two or three innings or flip that lineup one time that's so powerful, maybe give some help to – you know, a, a Bauman and an Armstrong where you can set them up in shorter, later pieces if somebody can do a good job rolling. Um, I think my job and Everett's job, and I throw Scott Foxhall in there with so much experience as a pitching coach, I think our jobs right now is for everybody to have a role. Even if they're not getting the innings maybe they want to, but you're beginning a career, I think when everybody's got a role, um, it keeps them engaged more. And so I don't, I don't want just three or four guys to have – a role defined. I want every person on our staff to, to have a role. And we have about eight of them. So everybody's got a chance. You know, let's say you your command's not where you want it to be as a young player, but you have a wipeout slider. Then you're a wipeout guy. So maybe we can bring you in with regret second, nobody on. And, you know, you can throw that wipeout slider and maybe strike a guy out. Worst case scenario, you walk a guy, which is not the worst thing that could happen in that scenario. So uh, whether you're a roller and not getting enough swing and miss or you're a wipeout guy and have some – I just think everybody having a role, it allows you to work to something in precision that has an identity attached to it. And I want every player, regardless of where they're at, because sometimes it's your time, sometimes it's my time, sometimes, you, you know, we're all at different stages when you start talking about 20-plus pitchers. So, But I think key is for everybody to have a role on the staff, regardless of maybe the innings they're getting the first three weeks to the month of the season. But you lose Cole, Bryce, and those guys. Talk about what you've seen from Cooper Weiss, Derek Fabian, 
Javi, some of these newcomer guys that have that experience and, and what you expect of it? Yeah, I don't think we've made light of that. You know, 80% is something positive. Um, but you look around this league, now more than ever the last two years, these rosters are better than they've ever been. And I feel like I can say that. This is year 23 consecutively in the Southeastern Conference, and I know what it looked like 22 years ago. For you, um, Ellen DeGeneres, Eddie Van Halen, Wayne Gretzky, Vince Carter, Paul Newman, and actually Isaac Okora. What do they all have in common on this day? Birthday? Yep, they've got the same birthday the- as me. Oh, it's your birthday too? Yep. Uh, happy happy birthday, Mitch. What a uh, what a list. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Thanks, guys. An all star an all star uh, list. There. Most of those folks are alive, right? Uh, yeah. Well, well, Eddie Eddie Van Halen isn't, but uh, and then I, I made the mistake today. I, I thought today was Kobe Bryant's birthday, but no, no, it's it's the anniversary away. of his of his yeah. death, right? It, yeah. I believe yeah. it's four, the it's the anniversary of Bear Bryant and and Kobe Bryant's. Uh, passings. Incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Bear Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He passed away on my birthday when I was, what was that, 12? A little younger. 82? Yes. Uh, 83. No, it was 83. 41 it? years ago. Yes. It was, it was 83. Pretty sure Kobe's okay. birthday was in July or August. August. I, I, think, it, I think it was in the summer. It's August. Yeah. It's August. I, I looked it up because it wasn't coming up when I was, when I was searching it. But, uh, something I wanted to ask, uh, uh, Coach uh, uh, Don Dunn, but but I forgot. Uh, did you guys see the 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 guy at Miami, Cam McCormick, that was granted a ninth year of eligibility? We we mentioned, yeah, we we there, there was a little talk around the uh, the cooler about that. That is that is just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I read he's he's already got a bachelor's and a master's degree. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and uh, get his PhD. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, we were we were joking a little bit yesterday, but I mean, you, you know, you wonder if the NCAA is just going to get to the point where, hey, stay as long as you want, so, leave whenever you want, go wherever you want. I haven't read the details of this story, Bill. Take me through how a guy gets eligible I, for year nine. I am not. I am not sure. I just saw the. I just saw the note that he'd been granted his ninth year of eligibility. I'm thinking that requires re-aggravation of an injury like over yeah, and how over many again? of those years has he actually been able to participate you know there's another guy uh the quarterback who used to be at oregon texas tech who's got a name it's like, i think he's the guy who he's originally from arizona and his name doesn't look like it's set it's like it's like spelled with a with a b but you you say it with like a th or something. I don't know. He's got it's 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 not pronounced the way it's spelled. Yeah, I think I he's I, don't I think know. he's getting a seventh year of, of, of eligibility as well. A quarterback has been maybe been, I'm, maybe been the NCAA just doesn't turn anything down anymore. I, I don't know. I, I guess not. But they turned Tua Junior down, right? Yeah, they that's turned, true. They turned down Talia. Talia. Yeah. Yep. But I, uh, um, yeah, this this guy Cam McCormick. Uh, from what I read, yeah, he had he had like seizing injury, seizing season-ending injuries when he was at Oregon. So he's only played, yeah, I think he's only played like three or four years, and then, of course, you got a COVID year. Yeah, you you can play five years with COVID, so that would mean there are some other injuries and other things going on there. I don't know. Maybe he went on a mission. I I don't know. So, so yeah, I just thought that was was just, you know, incredible. You know, just, I mean, I, I remember some guys when I was in college, they were like, well, I've been here for six years, and Mom and Dad said if I don't get my degree, they're going to stop paying for it. So, 
Well, well, as long as the school's paying for it, he's on scholarship, and uh, somebody, you know, somebody's putting him on scholarship. Maybe he can get a little NIL. I don't know. He can start getting some of the uh, Just for Men or something like that as a uh, NIL sponsor. Yeah, <laughs> and um, these uh, these this new thing about the uh, about the stadium in the north end. I don't guess there's any like artists you know, renditions or anything Haven't like seen that. anything from this time because the main thing right now, I think the first thing they're going to prove is uh, a new video board. Uh, that right. I, I think we're, we're still a ways away from uh, going ahead and, and uh, demolition and construction, but I think that's the next thing they want to do up there. Right, right. Yeah, well, it's, they, they definitely need it now. Now, it was never a problem when I had season tickets because I was on, like, the 40-yard line on the west side in the upper deck, so I could see the video board. Oh, fine, yeah. But, but uh, mm, getting back, to I guess, to the, to the NFL – you know, going to have some, uh, uh, hopefully, some good games this weekend. Um, but I remember back in the day before they expanded everything, this was usually the weekend of the Super Bowl because I remember there were, you know, some years my birthday in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, it would. Go ahead. At the same time. Yeah, what what Oops. what I remember the way I remember it is this would be usually the. Um, well, the last weekend in January was was generally when it right. was going to be because within a few days was going to be the big signing day. That's been that's when all the recruits would make up their mind. And a lot of times it was who's watching the Super Bowl with who? What coaches are at what prospects houses watching the Super Bowl? Appreciate the appreciate the phone call, Mitch. Great stuff and uh, and, and a happy birthday uh, to you. All right, yeah. all right. Before we get to Bill, uh, pulling up the AP story about Cam McCormick. Here's how you get nine years of eligibility. Bear with me here. Well, actually, they note he missed most of his senior year of high school in 2015 with an injury, so he would have been high school class of 16. Enrolled at Oregon in 16, redshirted, appeared in all 13 of Oregon's games in 17, played in one game before suffering a season-ending injury in 18, Missed all of the 19 season with an injury. All right, so he had two years basically with the same injury. That you that gets you the medical. Missed the 2020 season with injury and the pandemic, and then played two games in 21 before another season-ending injury. Played Golly, in tw- the guy. The guy has really had some uh, some injury. Problems. I believe six surgeries is what they mm. uh, is what is what they note. Um, made it through the 22 season at Oregon. Went to Miami, played this past year at Miami, and has been approved for a ninth season. Believed to be the first Division One athlete in any sport ever granted a ninth year of eligibility uh, due to injuries and uh, and 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 uh, other other extenuating circumstances. Wow, that is. Uh... That, that's a lot of that, that is some serious perseverance on his part too. I mean, battling back from injury after injury. He and would have played in the twenty. Would he, he said have, sixteen was his first year. Yes, so he he would have been, he would have been in the he would have been on the Oregon team that Auburn beat in twenty nineteen, in the Bo in the Bo Nicks versus Justin Herbert game. Yeah, he, and he could have been a senior that year, but he didn't play. He didn't play on that. <laughs> I don't. I'm, Just think, think about that. He could have been a senior when Bo Nix was a freshman. Bo Nix's freshman year, yeah. He, yeah. Bo Nix's freshman and year. And Bo's played an extra year, and this guy's still coming back. This guy's fourth year 
was Bo's first year of eligibility, right. for fourth year in college football. Yeah, and and he's and he's coming back for and for, Bo for played five years. Bo just finished up his fifth year, <laughs> and 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 McCormick still has another year. Wow, that that is crazy. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Who've we got next? Bill. Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey guys, I was uh, I heard the news about Trayvon Reed uh, leaving the program. You know, I wanted to, Trayvon was you'd see him around the complex or at, at Neville, and Trey was one of the really nice guys. He always spoke. Many times he spoke speak to you before you even saw him. Uh, I forget who he was, and just a really good guy. I really hope things work out for him. I wish he could have gotten an on-field thing here, but maybe uh, down the road, who knows? Uh, but it's really a really good guy. Oh yeah, no no question. Very very uh, likable, very engaging. Uh, you could tell. That that's uh, one of the you know one of the reasons he was a he was a big help in recruiting. So um, so your last day at the university is next week, huh? Next Wednesday, yeah. I'm supposed to, you're supposed to work on the last you know through the last day of the month. Oh yeah, you think you're going to miss it at all? I, I'm sure I will, uh, but I, I I think I'll uh, I, I think I can adapt to not having to wake <laughs> up as early in the morning. How you could hang out with Dan all day until the show starts. I, yeah, I guess I could do that, but then that would mean I'd be heading back to the office some because Dan usually hangs out at my office some. Okay, well, that, that wouldn't work. Oh, well, guys, I, I don't know. We are we are hiring. We that's are hiring. what I hear. We are hiring okay. with Bill Cameron retiring. You know, we're, we are we are looking for looking for more help around the office. So we might might give Bill a call. Yeah, maybe I can I just transfer up and up there because I'm already on campus. But anyway, I enjoy the show, guys. Just wanted to. Say something about Trayvon Ray. Like I said, just every time I saw him, he's just the nicest person. I always spoke, and I already wish him well. I hope he does well down there. Appreciate it, Bill. And of course, that's Trovon because remember Trayvon Reed? Trayvon Reed was the seven foot basketball player. That's right. This is this is this is Trovon. This is Trovon. Reed. Yeah, Trovon Reed. It, yeah. All right. We will. Uh, we'll get. Actually, to you know what it is? It's Coach Reed now. Yes, it is. It's Coach Reed. Yes, yeah. it is. And congratulations to him. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Back with more of your phone calls as we wind things down here on the Friday Drive. Experience. 